Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Malachi chapter 3. It says, verse 8 says, Will a man rob God, for you are robbing me? But you say, How have we robbed you? In the tithe and in the offering. You have been cursed with the curse, yet you keep robbing me, the whole nation. I'm reading out of the, the life version, but you can, you can use King James. That's fine right there. I'll, I'll actually move to that myself. <clears throat> um, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, the Lord says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And so here we find out in this particular scripture uh, about the tithe and really the restoring of the tithes and offerings. And he says that they had been robbing or cheating God. And uh, I saw a really good example of this, and and I just want to share it with you all real quick before we move on. Um, uh, Let me me use, um, let me use, uh, let's see, let's see, let me see, let me have. Uh, Brother Johnny, Leon, and Brother Haywood there. Come on up. Just stand right there. Just right on those seats there real quickly. Um, just stand right there. So, so, um, so here's the example I saw, and I thought it was really good. So it says in this particular scripture, will a man rob God? And it says, where have we robbed you? And we've already gone through all those scriptures, so we're not going to go back over them again. Um, but let's say, for instance, um, part of the tithe, the, the, the tithe really is for making sure that there's food in God's house. And we talked about why. For the, back in those days, it was for the Levitical priest um, to make sure that the, 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 the house of the Lord was always maintained. It was maintained. There was food there, and there literal food back then that they actually would bring food uh, into the tithe, and people would, would be fed there. The priest would be fed there. The high priest would be fed there, and, um, and then people would come who were poor and sick and, you know, or, or didn't have enough. They would also come there. So let's say, for instance, um, that uh, uh, I gave Brother Leon uh, uh, $10,000 each month, and I gave all three of these brothers $10,000 a month, and, and all I asked of them was to each month give back $1,000 to the house. Okay? So that was their job. Just give, give 1000 of the $10,000 back. So, so Brother Leon here come at the end of the month. You can stay right there. He comes at the end of the month. Brother Leon says, um, you know what? 
like you said, $1,000. So he puts $1,000 in uh, uh, back to, to make sure things are taken care of, ministry is taken care of, food is in the house. Uh, brother uh, 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 Uncle Haywood here, he also brought back, but you know, he said, you know, God's been so good to me that I'm not only going to bring $1,000 back, but I'm also going to bring, uh, I'm going to give uh, $1,700. So he gives $1,700 back, the tithe plus some. And Brother Johnny here, when it comes to him, he brings back um, about $350. And uh, uh, and so this goes on for several months, 10,000, a little over and above the, uh, 1,000, a little over and above the 1,000, and then it just kind of wishy-washy, you know, 100 maybe, 300, 500, 700 maybe, and, and each, each time it's a little different. And so um, finally they said, you know, we, we're, how, how are the guys doing that are tithing? They said, man, everybody's doing good except Johnny. Johnny just seems to not be consistent. Just seems to not be consistent at, 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 at paying the, uh, giving back the 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 thousand dollars. And so he says, "Okay, all right. Well, obviously he doesn't care about my house. So let's take that ten thousand he has and let's give it to the Leon and let's give it to Uncle Haywood here." And then he can still make money because I'm going to give him talents, but I'm not going to give him $10,000 anymore because he's not concerned about my house. Many times that's what happens within the tithe. And not only the benefits of the tithe, the benefits of the tithe is that he will rebuke the devourer. I don't know about anyone else, but there's a lot of times there's things that come along my path that seek to devour what I have. You know, things happen, but when God is, is involved with us because we get involved with his plan, it's almost as though God has a, has a wife, and he says, I'm going to give you $10,000 to run your business, but just make sure you take care of my wife. And who is the wife of God? The bride of Christ, and God wants it taken care of. Amen? All right, let's move on. Okay, thank you all. So we're done with that for right now, but we want to make sure that we are getting it, that deep down in our spirit we're getting it. Today we're going to talk about matters of the heart. Look at your neighbor and say matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. Because it all boils down to everything we've talked about so far. There is no law. It's really what is going on in, in, in a person's heart. And so Deuteronomy chapter 15, we'll start out there. And I want to show a few things to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 15. And then from Deuteronomy chapter 15, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And this to me is uh, Deuteronomy 15, I think, is, shows the heart very well. It says, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And in this form of the release, every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. How many of you say, praise the Lord? <laughs> How many of you wish you lived under that kind of system? Listen, he says at the end of the, in the uh, verse 2, says, and this is the form of the release. Every creditor 
who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there may be no more except when there may be no poor among you, for the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but you shall not reign over, but they shall not reign over you. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart. Talking about matters of the heart. You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need. Whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil. Remember those words and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your what? Heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, everyone say I command you, saying you shall open your hand wide to your brother to your poor and your needy in your land. So he's dealing with the heart here, and he says a couple of things. He says, open up our hearts to our brothers who are poor. And then he also says this. He says, and after you do it, don't be grieved by it. In other words, do it cheerfully. Be open. Be be grateful that you were able to give, able to lend, able to do Uh, that way. And and so uh, we want to talk about matters of the heart and realize that God was instituting this into the nation of Israel because he wanted them to be a generous people. He wanted them to be a people who were were giving and and giving out of a good portion of of what they had. And and not just generous, but to, you know, because many times when we think of generosity, we only think of it relative to money. But he wants us to just be generous livers, generous in life. One person said it this way, uh, and he was, he was asked the question, uh, how often do you teach on giving? And he said, every single Sunday. He said, every time I teach, I'm teaching about giving. Because the word of God is for the purposes of making us givers in every area of our lives. You know, it takes, it takes God in us to forgive, giving, giving forgiveness, giving mercy, giving kindness, 
giving gentleness, giving, being generous in the area of our lives on every aspect of our life. For that is which God came for us for, and that's why we're still in the earth realm, is to live a generous life. Money is just one aspect of it. And that's why it's truly a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of of how do we govern our lives relative to being kingdom dwellers. Well, you say, we're not a part of the nation of Israel. Well, the nation of Israel was a type of the kingdom of God. So the principles that were in operation in in Israel are the same principles that should be operating in our lives today. And that is to be a generous people. To notice how they, they, they said at a certain part, they said, well, release them from their debt. Release them from their debt. Make sure the poor are taken care of. Make sure, as a matter of fact, it is more important us to look out for the body than it is for us to look out for the people out there in the world. He says, as often as we have, have the, the ability to do something good for someone, do it. But especially for those who are in the body of Christ. Make sure that the body of Christ, make sure that there be no poor among you. And so when we find this out, and we'll get this in just a minute, we're finding out that God really in many ways is about equity, equality. That everyone is taken care of in the kingdom of God. So I want us to turn quickly to Matthew chapter 6. And I think this is just a wonderful, powerful scripture. If taken in context. Set of scriptures. So uh, look at Matthew chapter 6. And let's start with verse 1. Say amen when you get there. Matthew 6 and verse 1, take heed that you do not, do, do, that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before as, a, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, They have their reward. But when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, I want to read this also in the the Tree of Life version because I want to highlight a particular word in here that I think is is important for us to see and understand. And, And that is in the first scripture. It's talking about charitable deeds. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, out of the uh, Tree of Life version. And the Tree of Life version, if any of you know anything about it, words are converted back to the original uh, Hebrew uh, word. So you'll see words in there like sedekai, uh, which is a, 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 a Hebrew word for righteousness. Uh, or in the Greek, it would be dikaiousene, which is uh, also the same word, but it's in Greek. But sedekai... Uh, means righteousness. And so let's understand what that word meant and let's understand why uh, many uh, Jewish people uh, operate in a strong sense of charitable giving. Um, Verse 1 out of the Tree of Life version, it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them. 
Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So righteousness uh, to the Jewish mind is charitable giving. Righteousness to the Jewish mindset, uprightness, fulfilling the law of God or the commands of conformance to his law, to them was charitable living or charitable giving. So it says here, beware of practicing your righteousness or your, 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 your dikaiusene, your, your sedekai, your, your rightness, your uprightness before others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. He's talking about the heart, isn't he? You see, the heart is this. The heart says, I will do it whether someone sees it or not. As a matter of fact, the indicator, the greater indicator of the heart is what will you do when nobody is watching? When no one is going to reward you for it. When no one's going to give you that a boy or that's great. I appreciate it. When no one's going to know about it, what will you do? So he says, make sure when you're practicing your sedekai, when you're practicing your righteousness, your rightness, the demonstration of rightness is charitableness. Charitable living, generous living. Living a generous life. And you'll go on and see this in just a minute, why it's far more detailed or far more exclusive or inclusive than just money. It says, whenever, in the uh, uh, tree of life, so whenever you do your sedekai, your righteousness, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites. Now, the word righteousness means this. Quality, listen, quality of being upright, the quality, state, or practice, or judicial responsibility on fairness, justice, and equitableness. On fairness, justice, and equitableness. That goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Let there be no poor amongst you. And if you have a slave, then make sure you release them after a certain period of time. And make sure while you've got them, make sure you treat them right. If you lend to your brother, make sure after seven years you square it up with them. You make things equal again. That's charitableness. That's looking out. That's pronoia. That's thinking about God has a government in the kingdom of God. It is about, all about charitableness and doing righteousness. The Bible says in the book of Romans, and Paul was talking about this, we oftentimes think of righteousness, and I've taught it this way, and it still is this way, that righteousness is simply what God gives us. God gives us righteousness. He makes us like his son Jesus. He does, but the most thing he makes us like his son is charitable. The giving of oneself. He gives himself away. He, he, that's, that's, the, that's what truly what God does, and that's what he has made us, to be instruments of, of charitableness, to be instruments of generosity. It is so egregious to be a believer and not a generous person. 
It is though we have the nature of God and we deny everything, every impulse on the inside of us in this new nature is to be charitable because that's who we are. If we claim that we're born again, if we claim that we're new believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, then what pushes us, what's pressuring us, what is in us all the time is to be charitable, to be generous, to forgive, and we'll see this in Scripture, to be merciful. All of those are forms of giving, and we'll see later on that it also includes, obviously, giving. Give whatever measure it is that you give, it will be measured back to you, but that's also some Scriptures before that that says whatever measure, that same degree, whatever measure of forgiveness you give, you'll also receive. Whatever degree or measure of mercy you give, you'll also receive. So if you're you're cheap in giving mercy, you're going to get cheap mercy back. If you're cheap in giving forgiveness, you're going to get cheap forgiveness back. If you're cheap in in helping out other people, then when you need help, it's going to be cheap. Whatever the principle is, however you give yourself over to generosity will be to the degree that generosity will come back to you and to me. Amen? Amen. So it says here, we continue reading on here. As we move on in this, we understand that, that righteousness, righteousness, real righteousness does not only mean that we've been made in the rightness of God, but in every sense of the word, we've been made charitable. <laughs> we, we've been made charitable. That's who we are. That's why, that's why it, 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 it becomes so, um, uh, we can be miserable when we're not releasing charity. When we're not giving over to charity and being generous in our lives. Verse what? Verse, verse, verse 2. So whenever you, whenever you do your righteousness, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, so that they may be glorified by men. Amen. I tell you that you have your, they have their reward in full. But when you do your sedekai or your righteousness, or your charitable giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your sedekai, your righteousness, may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret shall reward you. Amen? There, 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 is, actually, there is actually in this, and it doesn't say when or how or, or how long, it just says there is a reward attached to Living a generous life, a lifestyle whereby you're not even looking for a reward. It just comes because we're living a generous life. All right? But he says if if it's for show, then you've got your reward. When you pray, listen. Remember, we're talking about the heart here, aren't we? This is just establishing what we're talking about here. When you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Amen. I tell you that they have their reward in full. Whoa, that's pretty powerful. He says when you stand praying, don't pray uh, in order to get people to to think that you're godly or think you're the whatever. He says, pray in such a way that, that it's all about your heart towards God. 
That's what it's talking about. Your heart towards God. That doesn't mean that you don't pray publicly. That means that when you are praying, when you're praying, it's not about being seen. It's not about how clever you can be. It's not about how your words can just sound like, whoa. It's talking about your heart, my heart towards God. It is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. But you, okay, verse 7 And when you are praying, do not babble on and on like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him. Therefore, pray in this way, our Father in heaven, sanctified by your name. I'm still reading out of the tree of life. Uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and what? And forgive us our debts, boom, equity, as we forgive our debtors. Listen, we're talking about balance here, aren't we? Forgive us our debts, and we'll be generous, we'll be generous to forgive others their debts toward us. That's how we maintain balance. A lot of people are like this in life because they want God to forgive their debts. But they're unwilling to forgive the debts of others. So they're out of balance. Generosity always keeps us square. Generosity always keeps us balanced. That's why one person can can have received the forgiveness of God, but still be tilted. Because God wants us to reflect back to him everything that has been given to us. That's what generosity is all about. Giving back to God that which he has given to us. How come you can't forgive? Has forgiveness been given to you? Anyone in this room not forgiven that I say to you this morning, keep staying or stay unforgiving because you don't have anything to give. Remember everything, every good and precious gift comes from God. So if you've not been forgiven, I release you today to keep that grudge, to keep on hating on folk. Just be as mean and honorary as you want to be because you don't have nothing else to give. But if you've been forgiven and you have much, then you want to get back to squareness? Give what you've got. Give what you've got. I have to stay mindful of that. I have to stay mindful of that. That, that, that yes, George, you can get hurt, but you've been forgiven. And so whatever measure you measure it back to someone else, you're going to get it right back. I would much, much rather live a balanced life than to live a life that's kind of sideways. Verse what? Hmm? Hmm? 12? 13? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Do you not forgive? If you, but if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. And whenever you fast, do not become sad-faced like hypocrites, for they neglect their faces to make their fasting evident to men. 
Amen, I tell you, they have their reward in full. That means that's it. You don't get any more. That means there must be some other rewards coming, not only, uh, uh, not in just in this lifetime, but there's some rewards coming to us in the next life. But when you fast, anoint your head. Now, what, what are we talking about here? What is Jesus' purpose for talking about this? He's talking about more than anything else, what? Talking about the heart, the motivation. What is motivating us? talking about the heart and so now we're getting into some good stuff everybody say look at your neighbor say we're getting into some good stuff all right but when you fast anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting won't be evident to men but your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you it just that's just a blanketed statement isn't it it just he will reward you I don't know what that means exactly, but I know there's something coming that's good. But we're not giving to get, are we? We're giving because that's our heart, isn't it? We're generous people. But when you fast, anoint your head. Verse 18. So, when you're, so that your fasting won't be evident, won't be evident to men, but your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up, here we go, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not store up, pile up, stockpile for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, here, here's what we need to understand about this. Verse 19 is talking about stockpiling. And he says there's two ways of stockpiling. We can stockpile here on earth, but do understand that all those things that we stockpile down here are temporary in nature and can be broken into and can be stolen. That's what he's talking about here. And also he's talking about, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break any steel. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So also in this, or implicit in this, is that another way of saying this is, where your security is, so will your heart be. Where your security is, so will your heart be. Everybody with me? So what, wherever, your, wherever your security is, there will your heart be also. Now, here's the next thing you need to understand. is that our security and why this scripture is written in this 
is he's telling us that if money, if material things, if anything in this world is where we find our rightness in, then that's what we will be most given to. That's where we will find our security. So we have to identify where, where is it that I feel most secure? Secondly, in this, where it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can look at it two ways. It could be, if my treasure's over there, that's where my heart's going to be. That's one way of looking at it, and that's, that's, that could be considered, and I think there's some truth to that. But the other one is, wherever I'm investing, where, where, wherever I'm investing, that's where my heart's going to be. You see the difference in the two? One is going to lead to treasure over there. But that also means, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that we've invested. I like the second one. I like the second one because it's saying whatever you, we've put time and talent and energy and whatever we've invested in, our heart's going to go over there. Is everyone with me? How, how many of you, how many of you uh, uh, have found yourself uh, how many of you uh, that have children, you've made investments in their lives? How many of us say uh, $1,000 of investment? 2000 10000 25000 30000 100000 200000 The whole daggone paycheck for the last 10 years. And where our treasure is, what do we do? Where our investment is, what do we do? We follow it, don't we? Yesterday, I'm down in South Carolina, Lancaster, South Carolina. I don't know where Lancaster, South Carolina is. I just know I had to go because I've been investing in one of our kids, and he's now playing college baseball. And so then here are Kim and I going to South Carolina and on a, on a cold 50-degree day. Sun's all, when the sun is okay, it was feeling all right, but the sun dropped on us. And we're, we're, we're I, I told Kim on the way back home, I was like, baby, it's 7.30 at night. We've been in South Carolina for most of the day, and we're heading back home at 7.30 at night. But we've made investments in this young man. We've, we've made investments in his life. And, and we're following that investment. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? What, whatever you invest in, you will follow. So it's a clear indicator, really, it's a clear indicator as to who's with you and who isn't. The investment will determine it. And we can just take a look and say, oh, well, no, they're not invested. When we go to war, they are not coming with us. Understand? No, they're not coming. Because they're, why would they come? Their investment is not there. 
I ain't seen none of you guys down in Lancaster yesterday. <laughs> With covers on and, 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 you know, I ain't seen not near one of you. Where were y'all at, huh? How come? Because that's not your investment. Right? That's not your investment. I mean, this past year, you know how many basketball games I've been to this past year? I've been to five games, two high school games, two middle school games, and one uh, college game. How come? Because I don't have no investment no more. I'm a, I am a Fairweather fan. And I'm proud of it. That doesn't mean I don't still like basketball. I'm just not invested anymore. I'm not invested. Therefore, I'm not following the treasure. And it's been fun because for 10 years now, I've been going in and out of gyms, coming in, going, coming, going. You know, all these years, man, it was wonderful to take a break this year. My baby said, you want to go to the game? Mm. No. We ain't going no game. How come? Because I don't have a treasure there. And I'm telling you, baseball is a different kind of a thing, man. You got to have an investment because it ain't the type of sport you want to sit down and watch all day unless you have investment. Am I right? Listen, every game is about three hours. They play double headers, three games on the weekend. And, and you don't get out under three hours. Matter of fact, we asked Michael before him, I say, yo, um, call us and let us know whether you're playing or not. <laughs> <laughs> Text us, let us know, because we don't want to come if you ain't playing. You know, thank God he's, he's been playing, you know. But, but we tell him right quick, man. Somebody asked me at the game last night, said, um, so you, because it was the end of the first game, getting ready to go into the second game. And then they have like a half hour break in between games. So you play three hours and there's a half hour break before the next game. So the guy said, uh, so you sticking around? I said, it just depends. <laughs> I said, I'm going to find out if he's playing. He ain't playing. We ain't going back up the road. And he did. He played the second game. But, but, but even, even then, I almost, I almost, my investment kind of ran out. <laughs> Round about the fourth end, and I'm like, baby, if he has one more at bat, we're going to leave after this at bat. <laughs> Kim was like, well, we're here now. We might as well just stay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she just invested a little bit more than I have. <laughs> Are you getting me? You understand? I don't expect you all to be there because your investment is not there. And so that's how we determine the heart of things is through the investment. What are we investing? That tells us something. And we can always change the amount of our investment. Look on, let's look at a few more things here. Where a person invests reveals the commitment of their heart. Get a few more things and then I think we'll be done. Look at verse 22. Listen to this. <clears throat> this is so, you got to get this last part here. Verse, verse 22. Verse 19. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth for moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your investment, everyone say investment, is, there will your heart be also. The eye of the lamp, the eye of the lamp of the body, therefore, the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness. How great is that darkness? Now, this is critical for you to see. This is what changes how and what and how much you invest. This right here. Now, it just seems like it's squeezed in there amongst all these other... I mean, if you're reading this, just, it just... Where does that come from? I mean, it looks like there's a change of thought, doesn't it? It did for me. Does it, does it anyone else? Like he's going along, and then all of a sudden he says, and the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness... If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what is it talking about here? Ask your neighbor, what is it talking about? The eye is our perceiver, is it not? It is what allows us to engage in the thing that is in front of us. It, it, it receives it. It actually defines it. It actually tells us what it is. And he's saying here in this particular scripture, if your eye, the eye is the lamp of the body, and however it perceives things, and really the eye for us is the mind, however your mind perceives and conceives things, so will determine how much light you have. And if your eye is bad, in other words, it doesn't conceive or perceive correctly, then great is that darkness. And guess what it's talking about here? Well, I'm glad you asked, Pastor. It's talking about how well we perceive the goodness of God. And it's saying here, our generosity will be determined by how we perceive the goodness of God. He says, if your eye is full of light, then that means you perceive him as good, equitable, just, loving, for you. Not against you. By the same token, if your eye be evil, the evil is it perceives God because all the eye is doing is reflecting light. It perceives God as mean, honorary, hard to deal with, a person who takes and doesn't give. And based on those factors, will determine whether or not a person will invest or not. The reason many do not give is because they perceive God as a bad person, as an evil entity, as he's going to take from me. How do we know that? The talents. Remember the story of the talents? He gave 
a certain amount of talents to one, another set of talents to the other one, and then another set of talents to the, uh, the next one. And he said with those talents, he said, listen, go out there and invest these things. And so one came back and he invested and he got more. And another one came back and he invested and he got a little bit more. And the third one came back, he said, I knew you to be a mean, bad, taking what you didn't sow kind of person. So I knew you were going to be, you were going to try to take from me. And because you were going to try to take from me, I didn't spend your money at all. I kept it. And I kept it so that when you came back to me, I'd be able to give back to you that which you gave to me. And he called him evil. See, when we perceive God as good, God is generous. God is loving. God is forgiving. God is as just all of these wonderful things that we've just talked about. And when we perceive in that way, guess what? We are now freed up. We are now secure because we know we have a loving God. No matter what I give away, God's got me. No matter what I do for others, it doesn't matter in this lifetime or another whether or not I get it back. I know God has got me. I want to be generous with my life because ultimately I know my perceiver tells me that God is on my side. I don't need the audience of anyone else. I don't need the reward of a pat on the back. I don't need anyone to call me great in the community because I am simply doing what God has told me to do. God, I, God is generous to me. I want to be generous back. That's all it is. But if your eye be evil, then it's perceiving God as God is not good. God is not good. God is done trying to get me out here, and I'm going to start giving and being generous in my life and be, come up short. Listen, you can never come up short with God. God puts us at the very top, and then he holds us there. It's ground that can never be given up. So we never lose anything. How are you going to be taken advantage of when God is on your side? The scripture says, God is on my side. What can man do to me? That frees you up to be generous. That frees you up to not always try to, okay, I'm going to give him that, but I need, I need, a, little, I need a little kickback. Right, what, what you going to do for me? We don't have to worry about that. And most people live their lives that kind of way. Okay, um, you know, I'm going to do this for you, but you know, what can you do for me? Well, what, what am I going to get out of it? A true giver never thinks about what they're going to get out of it. And the most successful people on earth, as studied by a social scientist, the most successful people on the earth are givers. Their lives, their lifestyle, everything about them is about giving, and they're not concerned even to the point of seeming like they're going backwards. They're all okay with it. Listen to me. When you offer forgiveness, how many of you felt like you just went backwards sometimes? Like, I just took 10 steps back. Man, you, you hurt me so bad. I'm, no, you didn't take 10 steps back. 
But it does feel that way. It feels like, man, you know, those stories, the good guys always do what? End up, finish last. I'm here to tell you, you can't finish last with God. I just want all of us, myself included, to begin to live a generous life. Just, just begin to, to live out a generous life. Not, you don't, we don't even have to worry anymore if we're getting ahead because we're already ahead. We're as far as we can get ahead. And that frees us to live such a wonderfully generous life. And then the last scripture I want to leave us with, and the next week we'll cl- close out, is this very last one. Listen to this. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stick by one and look down on the other. You cannot serve God and money. In the King James, it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So in the latter part of this, it boils down to just a very question. Which one do you find the most security in? Whichever one you find the most security in is the one you're going to serve. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. That's the one you're going to serve. And you can only really know that when the rubber meets the road, when the pressure's on, which one which one, is going to, which one are you going to, to, uh, to lean on? God is testing us every day. He's testing the quality of our heart relative to, not test as in he's going to send something on us, but he's testing us to see, to see so that we can see where our heart is. He wants to know what, what, what is the condition of our heart. And every time we have an opportunity to give, not, and again, I'm not talking strictly about finances. I'm talking about every area of our life. He's looking to see what supports are we standing on. What am I standing on? Am I standing on the word of God? Am I standing on the security that comes? Because sometimes when you're doing that, when we're doing that, it's going to look like, I just took a step backwards. But here's what I want to tell you. He says, I'm going to test you in this. But see if I sure enough won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessings that you don't have room enough to receive it when I test the condition of your heart and you come through and you show that you're more dependent on me than you are anything else in this whole wide world. That I delight in. So we went over several scriptures this morning, and we'll finish up next week. But every time, every single time, or even every Sunday, when that offering comes around, God is like, I'm, God is like let's see if they're going to get an A, B, C, D, or E, or F on this one. Now, how do I know that? Because one day Jesus did the same thing when they brought the money to the temple and he watched how they gave 
And Jesus made a statement. He says, when you've seen me, you've seen who? So if Jesus was doing it, he was doing it as a directive from the Father. And I believe God is doing the same thing to us. Every opportunity to give, he's watching up. Ah, hmm. oh, boy, you did it. You did it. You did. Good job. Good job. And again, I'm not just talking about in the area of money. I'm talking about in every area of our life. We get an opportunity to sow. Whether or not God, I, I believe you. I won't, I'm going to give mercy today. I'm going to give mercy today. I'm going to give forgiveness today. I'm going to forbear with someone today. Because if we don't, here's what we're going to happen. And this, I think, what happens to many people, even in church on a Sunday morning. When the test comes, they deem God evil. And so they don't square up. They come in here jaded and they leave jaded. But when we start giving... We balance everything else and we make sure that there's more than enough, that there's equity in the kingdom of God, that everybody has what they need. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter two, or chapter eight, we'll get into that next week, but it actually talks just about that. This is, there's no other subject in the Bible that is spoken of more. It comes secondly. It's the second place in the Bible and it's always talking about money because Money always shows the condition of our heart. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.